draft week, everybody here. Welcome into the Buffoon and Bakken show. Uh, my name is Tanner Dawson of the Whiskey Sports Podcast and the Sports Buffoons. Joined with me is the guy that'll be there with me on Thursday night for the draft here in Kansas City, Mr. Bakken's. Bakken's of the Bakken show. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Uh, shit, I'm excited for Thursday. Uh, finally get a meet face to face for the first you time. Do. I mean, we've been doing this show almost a whole year and uh, finally get to meet face to face. So I am uh, excited about about Thursday. Um, yes. Obviously, let's not bury the fucking lead here. The big news uh, came down about my Packers. It, it, it finally. Uh. <laughs> It finally happened. Uh, I'm just gonna go for a minute. I don't. Where do I? I don't. Where, where do I begin? Let me just say this. I do like the return, right? Like what 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 we got for Aaron is is acceptable. I felt like I, I want to say this first and foremost. Never thought we should trade Aaron. Still don't think we should have traded him. Still feel like he should still be a Green Bay Packer now. With that being said, I do like the fact that we got we we swapped picks. So we went from 15 to 13. The Jets now got our 15. We got the Jets second round pick this year. So now we have two seconds. Plus, we given the Jets a fifth rounder, but I think we're getting back uh next year's second and a first or next year's second, which could be a first round pick. If Aaron plays up to 60% of the snaps, which by all means, I, I don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen unless he gets injured, which he's been pretty healthy. So therefore, he should be able to play 60% of the snaps. Uh, if not, then we at least get a second round pick and they didn't get much of Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't play 60% of the snaps. So I'll take that. Uh, you know, then I think we got another pick, some middle round pick or something like that, I believe. Uh, overall, I, I I mean I guess I uh I mean we like Kale Carr just said we just gotta hope the front office doesn't fuck up the picks yet again and that's exactly right like you know picks are don't mean shit I mean really they gotta pan out and we haven't done a great job of developing guys and having those picks pan out and here we are hoping Guti can get it right well and I I want to fire back at all Packers freaking Twitter who are raving about some of this stuff that has happened. First and foremost, I saw somebody said, I'm glad it's done. I wanted Aaron gone two years ago. Are you fucking serious? Want to not be a contender two years ago? Exactly. Um, I, I, are you serious? Like, you can't be serious that you wanted him gone two years ago. I've seen, I've seen people say, oh, well, you know, we, let's, because somebody posted, hey, let's get a Jordan Love, a receiver and a tight end. I posted a gif of Aaron Rodgers said, let's get this guy a wide receiver and a tight end. And somebody said, somebody decided to come back at me and said, why? So he can't develop with them. He doesn't show up to OTAs. I'm sorry. He's 40 fucking years old. He doesn't have to show up to OTAs. Most players, his stature and his age don't show up to OTAs. How many, how many receivers has he developed himself that were nothing? coming out of the draft. Exactly. They've never once drafted a first-round wide receiver for him. Never once went out and got him a guy. Never once. We could have had T. Higgins. Uh, you know, if we didn't if we didn't trade up to get Jordan Love, we could have just stayed pat and drafted T. Higgins. Could you imagine Javante Adams, T. Higgins on a, on a team together? Insane. Yeah. 
People are saying, well, hey, I'm tired of the drama, Aaron Rodgers drama. There was absolutely no fucking drama until the team drafted Jordan Love exactly three years ago yesterday, uh, which came across my timeline. So three years ago yesterday uh, is when they made this trade for Jordan Love and got Jordan Love. That's when the drama started. I'm sorry, your boss, you worked for a company for 15 fucking years. Imagine your boss just comes in and says, hey, we got your replacement. Doesn't tell you what's going to happen, who it is, or hey, we're thinking about replacing you. Hey, we know you're getting up there. We're going to find you a guy. No, they just did it out of just out of absolutely fucking nowhere. They went and got your replacement. Imagine that, Tanner. Imagine you working for a company, bone, sweat, and tears for 15 years, and they just up and day one day decide, Hey, here's your replacement. Oh, by the way, train your replacement because you know he could be he could be really good, but we're not really too sure. And then what's Aaron do? Despite everything, he goes out and then wins not one but two back to back MVPs. And the year we drafted freaking Jordan Love, mind you, we were coming off an NFC Championship game. Why not go all in for once in our freaking lives and go all in and go get a guy and make sure we can push, get another championship. Aaron said, hey, I was probably 90% retired until I got out of this darkness retreat and I saw the Packers talking shit. So then I said, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to go play for the Jets and I'm going to stick it to you one more time. Now, I see people also say this. Hey, at least we got something for him. If he just were retired, we wouldn't have got anything for him. No. I mean that part is true, but I would. Don't you want your franchise quarterback do right by the guy? Don't you want? Don't you want to do right by him? Don't you want to do? Don't you want to be the organization that does right by the guys who've done you right? That's like that's like the Chiefs fans but ten years true. from now saying, you know what? We traded Patty Holmes. He at least we got something for him. Yeah. No. Like it's a, it's definitely a key process because at least with Alex Smith for the chiefs, right? Patrick Mahomes comes in. Alex Smith knew his days and were numbered after that happened. Right. But he also, the franchise and the management were also more respectable about Alex and then got him that major deal with Washington. Well, Alex Smith isn't, wasn't the franchise cornerstone for the last Last 15 years for the chiefs either. You know what I mean? Alex Smith owed just as much to the chiefs as the chiefs owed to Alex Smith because they, they helped resurrect his career. They helped resurrect the Chiefs, him, him himself in exactly, <laughs> exactly. They they resurrected each other. Aaron Rodgers has been the cornerstone of our franchise for fifteen years, fifteen years, and they just let him walk out the door like that. They just say, "Hey, here's your replacement," and and and, and people are hyping up Jordan Love, or and then they try to come at me and say, "Hey, you know what? You know what?" Uh, I bet you said the same thing about when we got rid of Brett Favre. Actually, Brett Favre had been teasing retirement three years prior to when, did, we, yeah. took, when we took when we took Aaron Rodgers. Second of all, you know what you heard when Jordan when Brett Favre left and we Aaron Rodgers uh, was coming in. What did the what did everybody in that locker room tell you? Don't worry, we got a guy. This guy that's about to replace this guy. Hey, we're good. He might be better, even better. What do you hear, Jordan Love? What does Matt LaFleur come out and say about Jordan Love? What does he say? Does he say, hey, don't worry, you guys. We got a guy. No. What's he say? He says, develop. <laughs> hey, we got to lower expectations. 
Lower expectations. We're the Green Bay Packers. We've been to umpteen NFC championship games. We've won four Super Bowls, two in my lifetime, and been to three in my lifetime. That's 30 years. Like, our expectations is playoffs. We're not the freaking Detroit Lions here. We're not the freaking, uh, you know, the New York Jets. We're not these middling teams. We're always atop of the team, and you want us to lower our expectation? Get out of here. Get out of here. We're supposed to, so now we were just supposed to hope and pray, and then we're supposed to hope and pray that Gutekunst gets these picks right. Is he going to draft a wide receiver? I don't know. Maybe he does. Front office thing. But why? Why? If you haven't, if you weren't going to do it for Aaron, why are you going to do it for Jordan Love? For the FU to Aaron. That's all it would be. So one last last suck it sign to, to Aaron. Yeah, that'd be the only reason I see it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I I don't understand some of this Aaron Rodgers hate in, in, in this Packers and the on the and people pumping this love in this trade or loving the fact that Aaron's gone. I don't get it. Like, do you guys not watch on the field? Are you not watching some of these interviews? Like, are you just blindly just believing this franchise? Uh, and the boss is that be no matter what. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely rough there. By the way, I wanted to, I got two things for you, Nick. That, so I'll, I'll confirm the trade here. Jets get Rogers, the pick number 15 at 2023 fifth round pick as well. Number 170 Packers get the number 13 pick, uh, 2023 second round pick number 42, a six round pick 207. And a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if he plays 65%. So that's the official Rogers trade. And then I was looking that up because I was curious of some of the players that were around Jordan Love's pick back in 2020. You know, your your next what five five on the board that that went. Jordan Brooks, linebacker, went to Seattle, Patrick Queen, Baltimore, Isaiah Wilson, tackle, Tennessee. Noah, I ain't gonna try it. Cornerback that never did anything. Jeff Gladney and Clyde Everett Hilaire. These next three in the second round to start the second round was T Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., and DeAndre Swift. All players that were reachable. Yeah, I mean, you I, we didn't need DeAndre Swift uh, at the time, but you tell me we couldn't have used Michael Pittman Jr. or we couldn't have used T Higgins? Yeah. Like that's – and we traded yeah. up to get Jordan Love. Or even a Patrick Quinn would have been great. Yeah, Patrick Quinn, exactly. He's a stud. So let's uh, – we got some comments for our, from your rant here. Cole, Kale Carr, what's up, Kale? Appreciate you. We just got to hope the front office doesn't fuck it up the pixie yet again. Oh, man, it's going to be rough. Jeff, Jeff Janice came to mind. <laughs> uh, Scott says, what's up? What's up, Scott? Alex Smith brought Casey out of the garbage. He did. He did. He him, did. And him and Andy came in at the same time. It made sense, right? It helped a bunch there. Uh, Dan said he has no more champagne left, and he's going to send you a thank you gift. It should be one of the empty bottles of the champagne bottle. Uh, that's that's to Nick. Oh, we know who's to. Uh, there's there's no love for Jordan Love. There isn't. And, finally, and Jordan Love has handled this the, the right way. And I, I'm not hating on that kid. It's not his fault. I hope the best for Nick him. Moody, Michigan. But uh, you know, I, I do. I blame Goody. Goody has got it's, to. He's if he these picks that he's about to pick in this this draft have got to be the absolute best picks. They have got to hit. It's true. 
It's true on that. And uh, wasn't wasn't Goody part of the whole like couldn't get Devontae Adams resigned? Like, so that was they, no they they were going to bring Devontae back and Devontae just still said no. Like, just still, okay, so they were yeah. going to pay him whatever he re- really got in Vegas. Essentially, they were just going to yeah. give him that money. They were going to pay him actually more than what they were going to pay. Uh, were uh, were going to pay pay Vegas. He was going to get make more in Green Bay. Oh, okay. And then he still said, "No, he I, I want to go." Want to deal with that yeah. front office? Probably is what it was. He did, he wanted to go to he wanted to go to Vegas, right? So uh, he wanted so. to play with Derek Carr, and now he's not playing with either Aaron or Derek. Yeah, Kale said he better pick six Hall of Famers. He'll look like a total idiot. And Jordan Love's got to play well. He's got he's to. Got play. To. The pressure's going to be on this kid. Like how how much of a worry was it when you heard Andy Reid say who? No, that's not that's not much of a worry. Because Andy's Andy's not Andy's not part of our team. He's it's not and he's not even part of our division. Now, uh, would I? Yeah, yeah. They gave him that. Yeah, and then they soured. That's exactly right. They gave him a big contract last year. I want to be the next GM of the Packers, Scott. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> Keith said we will send you Bailey Zappi McSorley <laughs> for Jordan Love. For Jordan Love? Oh, I'll take that deal. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You feel better now that you got some rant out? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see what happens on Monday. I'm, so it, I, so it, what do I know. do Thursday? Like, do I do I bring out, like, uh, some, like, kind of heavy weights so you can't run up to the stage <laughs> when they pick a kicker or uh, some some position you don't need? I, I but I, Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. I really don't know. Like I, be, I, I don't know. You don't know where they're going, what direction they're going to go. Yeah. It's it's the thing. It's, so many different directions in the past. It's, it's like, what, what do we need? Well, we need a little bit of everything and we're starting over. I guess it's, I should be excited, but like, I just want people like, Hey, what do you think they're going to do? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's a whole new fresh start. It's fun. This team would be fun to play on Madden just because I like playing weird teams like that on Madden that don't have anybody. But I mean, when it's your real team and you're invested, like you, that's not the team you want. And that's not the team you're used to, you know? Uh, I, I feel you there. I mean, early, what late two thousands, uh, I was, uh, never using the chiefs quarterback at the time. So <laughs> I trade, I traded for, I can't remember who the heck it was. It was some Stanford guy that came out of the draft that ended up being a free agent. So I always signed him every time. Tells me, I don't want to play with Thick Pin or anybody else. So yeah. All right. And I hope uh, Jordan does well. I mean, I really do. He's got to. The pressure's going to be on him. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you and Keith are able to get out of the nursing home, Scott. They, they let him stay up past curfew tonight. And then uh, before we bring the man in here, good love tackle when McCarty got get hurt again. Coming to DB and a high school receiver. But we've drafted like eight DBs the last three years. And it's still not helping. Yeah. I right. I, I, I do think a left tackle would help. Bakhtiar, uh, offensive line. Bakhtiar is on the back. He even said he's on the back, you know, 18, oh. maybe the back nine. I mean, what, what was uh, what was his issue? It was legs, right? ACL. Tore his ACL like two years ago. And he's just never yeah. been right since. He just hasn't got right, yeah. Yeah, I, I specify competent. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's but it's the same GMs that are drafting them. Yeah, two nights in a row, Scott. <laughs> Getting it out. All right, let's bring him in here because we got stuff to talk with him about here. There's lots going on in this guy's world. But stay uh, with me. The Stanley Cup Finals. Correct. The Stanley, the Cup. Stanley Cup. That's all I've said on Twitter. Everything else going on. 
Jim, I have learned from you. Jim Berenger, everybody. I have learned, and I said Stanley Cup playoffs. I even made the whole short on it to make sure everybody knows that it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's right. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know this NHL playoffs crap. That's right. It's over. <laughs> it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, boys, sorry I'm a little late watching, good, my, Devils, watching my Devils play, uh, evening up that series. Um, still very critical of this team, but they get it done. This is going six. Not a lot of people thought it was going five. And New Jersey is back in it, and it's tied at 2-2. Jim, I noticed that this morning they were talking, uh, like, road teams. There's, like, 17 and 11 here. In What is going on? What is it, like, home ice just don't – they don't matter? Like, why are road teams just absolutely crushing it? Well, they're they're 18 and 11 right now. The staff was before the Devils won, and they'll probably be 18 and 12 if Tampa holds on to their lead. But look, road cooking. I don't know. We saw the second night of the playoffs, and this weekend, road teams went undefeated, and three of those games went to overtime, and all three road teams won. So it's ridiculous. Like Colorado's a great team on the road. Seattle's a great team on the road. Winnipeg Devils. Devils are second. Best road team in the league this year. It's something weird. You get out of your element. You're away from your friends. You're away from your family. You're with your teammates. You're in the hotel. You just lock everything down. And, you know, it's just weird that these home, home ice just doesn't matter in the NHL anymore. Not like it did in the old days. I mean, even then, home ice really didn't matter. But back in the day, you had those buildings that you, you just didn't want to go to. But, you know... Any team can beat any team on any other night. And look, you play when you go on the road, you keep things simple. Just get pucks deep. You play your game. Don't try to overdo it for your fans because your fans aren't there. You'll have some in the crowd, but you just keep it simple. I like it. Um, Cole out here says that's Lord Stanley to you peasants. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Lord Stanley, it. baby. Uh, Scott out here has a question. He says, Jim, all of a sudden the Rangers have looked terrible. What is going on with them? They can't score a goal. Look, that's give credit to the Devils. I mean, after game two, um, you know, who, those who follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, you know how critical I was of the Devils. They needed a goaltending change. Their penalty kill was awful. They were taking too many stupid penalties. Uh, they just couldn't move the puck. The Rangers took advantage of it. And the, let's face facts. The Devils. First two games at home, jitters, didn't play well. Young team, shouldn't have mattered, though, because the compete level, that was the most disappointing thing, was the compete level for the Devils. And you've seen it in games three and four, the compete level of what it could be. Look, we all know what a win can do for a team, the confidence. You saw in a game four, the Devils took it to the Rangers. They played their game, speed, clogging up the neutral zone, good defensive hockey, got to puck battles. They locked down the Rangers. The, the Rangers were trying to play Devils hockey. Devils played Rangers hockey. The Devils got back to what they were doing, know what they can do. Look, game three was pivotal. Devils don't win the, that game. They maybe win tonight, and then they lose in five. They win game three, overtime. Now you got a ton of confidence. You're playing well. Kira Schmid to give this team what they need in that calm, cool, collective, rebound control, perfect. Plus, he's been their best penalty killer. The pen, they've made adjustments. Miles uh, Wood's not in. Brendan Smith's not in. Again, look, everybody can play Monday morning quarterback. 
in any sport. Devils fans had a right to question Lindy's rough decision to bench to scratch Jonas Siegenthaler in Game Two. I, I mean, the guy just picked up two points. The game winner play has is their best defensive defenseman. So again, the little adjustments. The one other thing I would like them to see them do is maybe get Luke Hughes in there. Just give them a different element on the back end just to get the puck out quicker because they're still just having a little trouble with that. But other than that, they've really turned their game around, kept things simple, and I think they have to play that kind of style on home ice. Gotcha. And, yeah, you were talking, too, like you like you said on your Twitter, at Jim Beringer, everybody, at Twitter uh, for Jim, and you, you were upset there that they were making some more depth, uh, sub, not substitutions, but depth adjustments to the lineup, and you did not like some of that happening at all. No, I mean, again, like after game one, you give up two power play goals, you take bad penalties. And my thing was, well, a guy like Miles Wood takes two bad offensive zone penalties, doesn't get benched, but we're going to send a message to Jonas Siegenthaler. And then Lindy Ruff says, comes after game three and says, well, the reason Miles Wood and Brendan Smith didn't play was they, they took too many bad penalties. He took bad penalties in game one and got promoted onto the third line. Like, this isn't rocket science. Like, I know everybody questions their coach and everything, but following the game as long as I have and seeing the little things that you can make, it just made sense that they needed to put Lazar in there. They needed to make moves in the lineup, and they needed to switch goaltenders. Look, not that Vitek Vanacek's played bad, but Akira Schmid has played really good this season for New Jersey. I just got to say, Jim, have you seen the goalie that wanted to fight a guy like Lannis Olmark? Wanted to do LFG. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, Olmark, uh, Olmark was crazy. Uh-huh. Yo, Matthew Kachuk got in there. I, get, I think he gave him a little bump, and Olmark was having none of it. He's like, let's go. He wanted to fight the end of that Panthers game in game four. The Bruins, let me tell you something about these Bruins. No Bergeron, no Krejci, no problem for him. Look, game two, they got a scare. But Dave Starman, uh, I know him for a while. He does the World Juniors. He talks about coaches getting the room back. After you have a winning streak, you kind of get lazy. You don't make the right decisions. That loss was what exactly Bruins needed. Coaching staff reestablishes the room. Taylor Hall looks like the guy that won the MVP. Jake DeBrusque, he's happy. He's not the same guy that wanted out of Boston. These guys are scoring. Orloff's contributing. Tyler Bertuzzi's contributing. Their depth scoring is the best it's been since 2011. That's the last time they won the Stanley Cup. We usually say, oh, it's the top line and we need more. Well, they're getting more because their top players like Krejci and Bergeron aren't there. Pavel Zaka's contributing. What a pickup by him. You know, look, go back to the trade in the offseason. Both guys need a change of scenery. Pavel Zaka's doing what he's doing in Boston. Eric Hall is doing what he's doing in New Jersey. Win-win trade. It's insane. The Stanley Cup playoffs has been like full of just injuries and drama going with it. I mean, we saw, like you said, Boston lost some guys. We saw a guy get 75 stitches and come back into play. That was amazing. I watched that probably about four or five times on repeat and still viewed it later. Like that was amazing. And then, well, we lost a, there was another guy that was lost on one of the series. I can't remember what it was now. Oh uh, like, yeah, Pavelski went down. He yeah. got rocked by Dumba. Yeah, like there's a lot of yeah. big hits happening and guys being carried off and crap like that. Like, is this one of the more aggressive first round plays that you can remember? 
I, it's definitely been a lot physical, and uh, they've definitely been, you know, the whistles have been put away at times. The, you know, the physicality is there, the fighting. Guys are sending messages. I think the Devils sent a message in Game 2. Boston sent the message in Game 2 when they were down. The Leafs has done that. Like, teams are sending messages because it's the playoffs. It's physical. It's a different game. The 82-game regular season is played differently than mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Once the playoffs come, the ice gets smaller. The rink doesn't get smaller. Like, the size of the rink doesn't get smaller. But the ice that you need to find is small. You got to get there, in, out, avoid hits. You got to have to take a hit to make a play. This is what playoff hockey is all about. And, by the way, the Toronto Maple Leafs were down 4-1. Entering the third period, it is four three right now. Austin Matthews just scored. Hey, uh, that's a that's a series I was going to just touch on, Jim. If the Lightning can uh, tie this up two two, does this kind of play in the Bruins' hand? Like, hey, let these two teams like go to seven, beat each other up. We're going to probably gentlemen sweep our series here, and we can rest up and then wait to, and then both those teams will kind of be beat up as we take them on in the second round. Yeah, I mean, look, Toronto and Tampa, look, these guys, everybody figured that goes six or seven games. Boston went to take care of business. Whoever comes out of this series is going to be physically beat up, but also could be battle-tested. But the Bruins, look, whoever they play next, I mean, it's still going to be a physical series. But guys like Bergeron and Krejci can rest up a little bit more. That extra rest is crucial this time of year because you don't get it. And that kind of favors the Bruins because they have an older roster. And if the Bruins can close it out by not playing Bergeron and Krejci in game five, then more power to them because now they have extra time off as this series is going to continue to go. And we got Cole or Kale, sorry, Kale out here says Boston needs the series to go all the way to have a fighting chance. I think whoever Boston plays, they're going to be the favorite. Um, you know, Toronto, you know, we know their history. Tampa's given Boston fits in the playoffs before. It'll be a great second round. I mean, Boston's not there yet. They still got to put it away. The fourth win's always the toughest. But you know what? This Bruins team, they don't get to Stanley Cup final. Very, very disappointing. They have the team to do it. The depth's there, the defense. And they're doing it without Bergeron and Krejci. Funny thing, here's, here's a crazy thing. Bergeron didn't travel with the team but has watched every game at home and is called in to the team to tell them about some adjustments that needs to be made. Guys guys need to be in position. That's a true captain right there. You don't hear that very often. No, <laughs> you don't. No. no. In any sport. In any sport. Yeah, yeah, right. Any sport. Jim, every series it looks like is about to be either 2-2 if the Lightning can hold on there besides the Avalanche and Kraken. Can the Kraken pull the upset tonight and even that series at 2-2? Are the Avalanche just going to, the defending champs going to walk away with it? Look, I mean, Seattle, I give credit to Seattle. And, and, you know, everybody talks about the inexperience of the Devils, but that's what I wanted New Jersey to be like in the first two games. Maybe it would have benefited them if they started on the road. But Seattle, they have respect for Colorado. They're just not showing it. And that's what you need. Like, they've scored first in every game. They just can't seem to hold the lead. Colorado just has that extra gear to get there. But give credit to the Kraken. They took a game in Colorado. They were up 2-0 in game two. Probably should have been up 2-0 going home. 
but the Avalanche find a way to win games. Uh, Gorgiev has yet to see his best in the net, but he's made the crucial saves when he's needed to. Philip Grubauer's best two games potentially were in games one and two. We're going to see how he bounces back. But this Kraken team reminds me of the, uh, the 1998 Phoenix Coyotes. They just went out there, played their game, gave the Detroit Red Wings everything they could, took that series to six games, and nothing to lose. Scott says Vegas is down 1-0. They have a, they've had problems with Winnipeg the whole series. But that one yeah, I mean, I mean, give credit, give credit to Winnipeg. I mean, they've played really well. Um, you know, they could have, they could have easily gone up 2-0 going home too to that whiteout. Um, but you know, it's two-two after two in the game. They wide a whiteout, but they ain't wearing white jerseys, Jim. Look, that's the thing they did, man. The problem is, is Kevin Weeks, Ryan Callahan said this on ESPN. I agree with both of them. Got to bring back the home whites. So the whiteout matters, especially in the playoffs, because it's like the home team, the away team wears white. But after two periods in game two, it was tied at two. Jets were playing their game. Mark Stone goes, you know, gets into it. Jack Eichel's got three goals in three games now for Vegas. He looks like a playoff performer his first time in the playoffs. But the Jets' defense is so good, even without Josh Morrissey. You have Connor Hellebuck back there. Look, Kyle Connor scoring goals, Dubois scoring goals, um, Blake Wheeler scoring goals. If Mark Shifley could get going, he scored in game three. If he can get going, this Jets offense is really good. Um, you know, Winnipeg could pull the upset. You never know. They got to get this one tonight if they want a chance. What's your, I guess, what's your most surprising series right now? Like through the, through a first week here, what's the most surprising that you're seeing here on the board? Um, man, it's good. I think the most surprising thing was the fact that New Jersey was down 2 0. Uh, and they yeah. lost both games the way they did. Um, I had figured, I had figured Dallas and Minnesota was going to be a war, mm-hmm. Edmonton and LA was going to be a war, like all the other series. Were, I think I, I, you know. Besides that, the two Metro ones, because I thought the Islanders had more compete in them. They're down 3-1. But again, I've said this on this show. I've said this other places. Scoring has been a problem for the New York Islanders all season, and it continues to be in the playoffs. Bo Horvat, after Game 4, said he needs to be better. I'd like to see what he looks like in Game 5. Dumb penalties lead to power play goals, and Morgan Riley just tied the game at 4-4. For the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. Down 4 1. What a blown third, lead. Another third period comeback. Vegas was up 4 1 in game three. Jets scored three goals in the third. Toronto down 4 1 <laughs> going into the third. Scored three goals in the third. If if Toronto comes back and wins this game, it's over, right? I mean, up three look, games we won and come back like that, like a crushing. Look, if, if Toronto. They were able to win in overtime. Morgan Riley gets that one. Looks like Ryan O'Reilly in front got a piece. Um, or Tavares, one of those two. But Riley's having, having himself a series right now. Look, if Toronto, the way they won game three, if they can win this game, going up 3-1, going home, man, they have a really, really good chance. That's That's awesome. Guys, if you want to see more of the insights and stuff, Make sure you go to Twitter 
go follow at Jim Beringer. He posts everything about it on there nightly, daily, you name it. So, uh, and he even has his recap videos as well. So, make sure you guys do a Twitter, follow him. Tons of great uh, Stanley Cup playoffs news that he provides. So, Jim, do you have a little bit to talk to the little Giants with us that we get Jonathan in? Absolutely. For you awesome. guys, anything. Awesome. Let's get Jonathan in here. Jonathan Gershman, what's up, Jonathan? Hey, how's it going, fellas? Good. How was the weekend? I was fine. It was fine. It was, uh, we've been dealing with some cold weather, actually, this uh, down this past weekend a little bit. We had a little bit of rain on Sunday, so we didn't get to finish the weekend. At least not every team did, but uh, it was, it's was. it been a, a, a good weekend uh, with some things we still got work on to do, but Hey, that's uh, as, as I tell you guys, I tell everybody, I'm always going to find something that we got to get better at. That's right. It's never perfect, man. It's never perfect mm-hmm. there. Uh, Scott wants to say off the hockey for a minute. Miami's going to beat Milwaukee and Jimmy Butler has 53 points. That means playoff Jimmy showed up, but yeah, hey. Giannis is still out. Giannis is playing in this game. Oh, he is? I yeah. thought he was out. Nah, he's playing. They must have changed it this morning. All right. Yeah. Now he was a full go. So on that Jimmy note, uh, Kenny Miller text me said, Jimmy on the bench laughing like y'all must have forgot. Don't let the eight seed fool you. April showers bring Jimmy superpowers. <laughs> That's great. Giannis is 27. Gotcha. This morning when I looked at it, but that was like nine o'clock. So, you know, I, I didn't really check back in. So, all right. NFL draft this weekend, guys. Let's talk a little football for a little minute. Jim, we'll start with you. You're New York Giants. What are we looking at here? What's your expectations? And do you draft a quarterback at some point? Maybe later on. I would like to see them get a wide receiver. That that's where I would like. I feel like you got to right. Like that's that they gotta they gotta walk away first round, second round with the wide receiver. They have to. I mean, you got to see who's there. I mean. You know, if you can get one of those good stud guys from like Ohio State that's on the board down at that late, or maybe trade up to get somebody, you got to get a weapon. Uh, we've talked about it all year. There's nothing new. You got to get a weapon to spread this field. The the wide receiving core that they have now is just not good enough for Daniel Jones. Um, they need to get somebody that can stretch this field. If they don't do that, I mean, they they always go with like defense or O line stuff like that. But first two rounds, you got to get a receiver. Do you see yourself trading up at all? You got 10 picks, three seventh, one sixth, three fives, a fourth, a third, a second, and a first. After the Even after the Darren Waller trade, you just got 10 picks in this draft. I could see them moving up. I could definitely see it. If there's a player that they want available, you know, maybe, you know, we've seen history where the Giants missed out on a guy, <clears throat> Devontae Smith, because the team <laughs> jumped in front of him. Uh, to get to get somebody that they that team wanted. So if there's a player on the board that they really really want, I think they could go up. In years past, I was always like, "Oh, trade back, trade back." But this might be the year finally that say, "Hey, if there's a guy you want, go up and get him." Because we've seen so many teams do it. I mean, look, Tanner, your Kansas City Chiefs when they got Mahomes, traded up to go get him. Yep. So when they got yeah, stole, stole from the Saints. Yeah. yeah, stolen from the Saints, exactly. <laughs> Your breeze replacement right there. So I I mean, like, look, this uh this draft is good. There's a lot of good players in it. Uh I can't believe you know, I'm so focused on the playoffs, I can't believe the NFL draft is here. Draft's here, right? I know. I know. It's like <laughs> I'm like, I'm all focused on the playoffs, and I'm like, 
<laughs> Holy cow! I can't believe uh, I can't believe the NFL draft is here. Jazz right around the corner there. Before you know it, uh, Scott out here says, if it, "If it goes, there it goes." Mock draft have the Giants taking John Michael Schmitz. So I don't know, man. I, 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 I feel mean, like the Giants will make some noise. Uh, we may not see it Thursday night, but I think we're gonna see some noise on Friday night. I uh, think so too, but I think I think they gotta they have to if there's a top wide receiver available, they gotta trade. They up. gotta get it big time because that's that's really what it is. There is talk the Chiefs are looking to trade up for a running back or wide receiver. I don't Let's, running back. I mean, they got Pacheco. I thought was good. And you got and Pacheco. McKinney. I mean, yes. Like I don't think we're I, if we go another first round running back. Like did we did we learn just learn from Clyde? Did we just learn how that was right? LSU boy down there. Uh, you know, like. He didn't. He just can't stay on the field. Don't go running back when you can get them elsewhere. Look at Pacheco in the sixth last year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Kansas City's offense too. I mean, you're you're running back by committee because the offense goes through Mahomes. You don't need a a, a big feature back to run the offense with. It's gonna be, you need you need guys you can just kind of create mismatches with. That's why y'all did get Clyde because he's a mismatch when he's on the field. Pacheco is a different back that that can pound the uh, the ball in the uh, in the second half. And kill the clock a little bit. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense for the Chiefs to get a a, a first round running back. If you get another, you know, get you another one. If you want, if if needing another running back, get you one in the third or fourth round. There's, it's a deep running back class. That's the thing yeah. about it. So I think it's I think this running back class is underrated because you have some good, you have some good mid round backs that you can get in round three or four. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. hundred Pachenko was great for them. The kid from Rutgers. I mean. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was awesome this year. So glad for him. Um, and like you said, Jonathan, it's a deep, deep running back class. Probably one of the deepest has been in a, in a long time. And you can, and as they always say, you get the running backs later on. I mean, look at so many guys that are top backs in the league came in later round picks. Like you don't need to get that top running back in the first round. And, the, and like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs don't need one. No, not at all. I think we're good on that side. Um, Nick, you have anything here for the Giants? No, I was just kind of catching up on that. Jimmy Butler, it finished with uh, 56 points, and uh, the Heat take a 3-1 series lead. That's insane there, Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, on the court saying, this is my shit. Jimmy <laughs> is that dog. I mean, I tell people all the time, he is my absolute favorite player in the NBA. He's That guy's insane. I love him, though. I love his attitude there. So – Let's uh let's swing to the other NFC team here. Let's talk New Orleans Saints. A little, definitely a disappointment last year with things. You now got Derek Carr in a dome, playing in warmer weather, uh, in the division. So that's gonna be good. Uh, you got one, two, you got a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, fifth, and a seven, two sevenths, no six this year. So, what are you looking at, Jonathan? What are we thinking here? Uh, that could you know not happen with New Orleans. There's a, there's still some holes. I mean, we've been able to make some good moves and be able to you know, get the Derek Carr signing and be able to make that where you have a, a feature quarterback, which we did not have the last couple of years with Jameis. The the experiment didn't work. And I know I advocated with you guys last year about Jameis. And, hey, I'll admit I was wrong. I was wrong about that. But, I, I, you know. <laughs> Don't you so. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. I, I, I invest. I, I bought into the Kool-Aid and, and, and you know, hope, I was hoping. I was already hopeful. But I was hey, optimistic. But Jonathan, you guys I mean, in New Orleans, you was eating the gumbo, not drinking the Kool-Aid, brother. No, you still got to have some Kool-Aid with the gumbo. <laughs> you got to get some Kool-Aid on there. So, now, uh, 
I think as far as what we're looking for, we need offense. We need linemen help still. I think we're, we're our our D line is, it was a little bit under uh, was underperformed last year. You know, with Cam Jordan, who's thirty four years old, and he's leading in the team in sacks. And you've had first round pick defensive end, first round pick defensive end Marcus Davenport, who's gone now with Minnesota. Your first round pick a couple of years ago, Peyton Turner, who's underperformed. You know, it, it, that's kind of sets you back on what you're trying to do defense. Even if you have a top defense, regardless of what Adam Pacman Jones says on Pat McAfee's show, who was an absolute joke for what he said about how bad our defense was. <laughs> hey, don't you dare say that. Oh my goodness! What an idiot for what he thinks that he said on that. But we had it, you know. But the defense is still you gotta you gotta get a little bit better uh, up the middle on the defense. That was one thing that that he didn't say uh, that uh, Pac-Man didn't say was our run defense was not that good. It wasn't good. So getting a D tackle, I think, needs to happen. We we've had a little bit of a turnover. You lose uh, a couple guys. Uh, David Onyemata is now in Atlanta. You lose Shy Tuttle to Carolina. So you're trying to – we got a couple guys, one of Tanner's guys uh, from you know, the Chiefs time with us, uh, I think Kalen Saunders. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Passanio and Saunders, both yes. from the Chiefs. And you just signed Passanio to an extension. Yes. So, I mean, uh, it, you know, we, we got some we got some bodies. Both but my we don't favorite have a players, difference. by the way, on the D-line. So What's that? They were both my favorite players on the D-line. I'm I'm actually excited about Colin uh, Colin Sanders and what he's going to do for the run defense uh, for us. Mm-hmm. But so I, I look at it and say you, we have to help, at least in the first round. And I know it's not a sexy pick, it's not a glamour pick, but I think I, I'd like to see uh, get you know us getting a D tackle. Uh, uh, was it Kalaji uh, uh, Cansey from Pittsburgh? I think is what it, uh, who's the one who's he's being compared to another former Pittsburgh Panther. And Aaron Donald, undersized D tackle, who's quick, fast twitch. You can he's disruptive on the pass rush. I'd like to see him be in the middle of that uh, of that defense and see what he can do to help out the edges because that's what you need right now. You need pressure up the middle. We haven't had that in the last couple of seasons in New Orleans. If you don't go that way, I think they're going to go tight end, uh, and I kind of hope we don't because again, it's a good tight end class. You can get one in the second or third round. Uh, you know, in, in, in everything. So I, I, but I kind of have a feeling they're going to go tight end. Dalton Kincaid is something they're looking at, uh, you know, from Utah. I think he's, a, and he's a good pick. I, I'm not going to be a hate on that one as well. Um, I think Michael Mayer from Notre Dame was another uh, name that's been kind of mentioned as well. So I, I, I kind of hope they don't go first round tight end. I'd like to get a D tackle to plug and play and, and kind of be that disruptive force in the middle. Just, that's, that's what we need, especially as this, as this division the quarterback play is not going to be very good in the NFC South with potentially Kyle Trask as a starter in Tampa Bay. No, it's Baker. Um, Baker time, baby. Oh, I'm not. No, that's not. Let's just stop that. You, you know, it's not Baker time. All right. I mean, you laughing about that just tells me it's a comparison to Jameis Winston last year, what I said about New Orleans. Oh. <laughs> so, no, I, I put, I, you know, I think Kyle Trask can be the one in, in Tampa. You have, uh, I don't even know who right now the quarterback Ritter, is. In, in, Ritter, in Ritter in Atlanta, Andy Dalton, and uh, possibly Bryce so, Young in in Carolina. Which I'm sorry, mm-hmm. if if Bryce Young is the first round pick in the in, uh, by the Carolina Panthers, I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating. I, I'm 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 very. I don't want Carolina to get CJ Stroud. I, you know, if they draft Bryce Young, I'm gonna be happy because that's the that's the wrong pick. CJ Stroud could fall all the way out of the top ten. They're talking, and they're idiots. That's the reports going today. I, I don't believe that report. Out CJ, of the top seven, CJ Stroud is the best quarterback in this draft out of the top three between Bryce Young and Will Levis. If he falls out of the top ten, that is the worst thing that could happen. Because I'm again, I've I've had conversations with people about saying how Anthony Richardson is the next Cam Newton. I hope uh, a te- I hope a team no, drafts. Him. I hope it's a team not. Drafts no Richardson. way. 
No I way. Hope they draft because he's Anthony Richardson in my eyes is a second round pick. He should be a second round pick. He is not a first round quarterback. And they're saying that he's a top 10 quarterback. Absolutely not. I've watched him play in the SEC. I don't care what he does against Vanderbilt. I don't care what he does against South Carolina. What do you do against the, the big three teams? What do you do against Georgia? What do you do against Alabama? And what do you do against LSU? He did not perform against any of those three teams. Those Sounds like you think Stenson Bennett is, should be ra- ra- in the first round in that case. No, because he's undersized. He's undersized. I, I, again, it was this. He, he, he performed. Yeah, absolutely. Stetson Bennett performed. But there is a reality of what you are. And, and Stetson had a – he was a product of the talent. All right. The Anthony I'm, Richardson. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking I, with I, you. I know. I know. But Anthony Richardson. <laughs> this is. This, I had this argument. Anthony Richardson did not perform well against those three top, the top three teams. And the, the always remark is, well, name who is the receivers? Okay. Name the receivers that Cam Newton had it, it, when he, when he was in Auburn. You can't. You don't know who they were. He elevated them though. He elevated his team to uh, to win against those teams and and compete for a national title and win a national title. Cam Newton elevated the team. Anthony Richardson didn't. I don't care what the talent level is. Your job as a quarterback is to elevate your team. And Anthony Richardson didn't do that for the year that he played this year, no matter what the coaching, no matter what the pl- the talent was. I, he's a second-round p- uh, pick. For some reason, they are so enamored about his size and speed and the combine of what he did. No. I don't see it. I don't see it. I hope – I hope a team again. I hope the NFC South. I hope a team in the NFC South drafts Anthony Richardson. I'll be <laughs> celebrating that one. But Bryce Young, I think Seattle. I, th- I think that's where he's going. Perfect. He gets but, to sit behind Geno for a year or two and and gets to that, uh, work on things. I don't. It don't matter. I, he's not a good quarterback. He will. Like, he'll. He'll take him four or five years to finally figure it out. I think. I just don't see why everybody's so enamored by him. If you turn on the tape of his games. He's not good. No, I, I 100% agree with Jonathan on this. He is not good. I watched a lot of his games this year. Not impressed. I think he's a second-round quarterback at, at most. Uh, I don't know why. Yo, everybody loves guys in, in shorts and T-shirts. Do it with the pads yeah. on. Like, I mean, these combine numbers don't mean nothing. I mean, for wide receivers, your speed, your 40-yard death, all right, fine. That matters. But the – He's not that good. Richardson's not that good. Bryce Young, yeah, he's the top-rated quarterback going in. Look, again, product of Alabama, these guys, there's a lot of Alabama quarterbacks that haven't made it, a lot of USC quarterbacks, Ohio State quarterbacks that haven't made it. Bryce is a good quarterback, but he needs time. Some of these guys are not Sunday guys. They were Saturday guys, Um, and it's going to take time for some of these quarterbacks to make it in the NFL. Well, we'll look at the – and again, I said, what, for SEC quarterbacks, when you play against the top teams, Bama, LSU, Georgia, what do you, what, what do, you do? And then after you do what you – after you, you do that, if you make those plays and you do what you're supposed to do, your conversation changes. Joe Burrow's conversation after beating Alabama was, oh, he's a number one pick. To attack Loa for a long time for what he did against LSU, what he did against Georgia was like, oh, he's a first-round quarterback. The conversation has never happened for Anthony Richardson because he never did what he did against those teams. He, he just never performed. Even against Tennessee, he didn't perform against Tennessee. Bryce Young, I, here's the reason why I'm, I'm down on Bryce Young about it, is because it is a product of Alabama where you had quarterbacks like A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy, uh, you know, uh, Mac Jones look great, and then when they get to the next level, you're like, wait, that's not the same guy we saw at Alabama. 
So it is a product of what you are and, what, and where you're at. I, I think that does play a factor into it. How you perform when it matters most against those big teams. That's, that's why for me, C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in my eyes for what he did against Georgia in the, in the playoffs. Where we hadn't seen him do stuff like that. We didn't see his athleticism against uh, Michigan as much. We didn't see how his ability to compete against those teams in the in the Big Ten. But my goodness, he looked amazing against uh, against Georgia. He looked absolutely amazing. So I, I was that impressed uh, to the point where like I, I got to make him. He's going to be my top quarterback. I, you know, if Carolina's smart, they draft C.J. Stroud. They're not. They're not. <laughs> then I then I celebrate as a Saints fan. Then I celebrate. <laughs> It's it's Bryce Young. I mean, that's who they're drafting. They're not CJ Stroud may not even go two to the Texans, may not go three to the Colts. They're saying. I mean, I I I don't get it. I mean, I like Stroud. I mean, I think what he's done, what he did in a playoff, he's looked good, looks confident. The guy I'm interested in is DTR. Like, where does he go? Like, you know, everybody's loved him at UCLA this year, and they're like, oh, he's going to be a great. It's going to be great at the next level. Is he? I mean, Pac-12, it's gotten better, but it, it's not the SEC. It's and not great competition. I'm interested not- to see where Hendon, Hendon, Hendon Hooker goes. Uh, I think he would be a first-round pick if he just was healthy. Uh, and he still may be a first-round pick. If he- I, don't think, I don't think he will be just because he's 25. He's 25 years old. That, I think that's just going to – a lot of teams are, don't want to draft him in the first round as a 25-year-old because by With the second – by his next contract – and I, well, the age is more than more more the question mark than the injury because, again, by his second contract, he's already 30 years old. Yeah, you but know, then so, you ain't got to pay him. Then what's the point of, then what's the point of drafting him in the first? You, you, got, you got five years at, at that point in time. You're paying him cheap money. He, he'll be – he'll be a second or a third, and he'll be a steal. I agree. Hendon Hooker is a is a – one of my top quarterbacks. I love Hendon Hooker. I put him. He's in, better I, I, than Brandon Weed. And Kale, you're get out of here with your crazy ass takes and your Will Levis is Josh Allen 2.0. He's Jake Locker 2.0. Not 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 Josh Allen. I I, I think Hendon Hooker. My my view is that Hooker is a top three is a top three quarterback in this draft, but he's going to be a second round pick because it's more of the age. The knee. Nobody's scared of the ACL injury anymore. Like, especially for quarterbacks, it's not, they're not scared of that. So I don't see the injury of the, the ACL being like, oh, that's a, that, that we're going to be scared of that. It's just the fact that he's going to be, he's 25 years old. And again, why, if you're going to want to build a future with a quarterback who you're going to want to be for the next 10 years, who's going to be 30 years old by the next contract, that's not really a long term play for the future. So I, I think he'll be a second pick, a uh, second round pick or a third round pick at the latest, which that's a steal. I think he's. I think second round, but I teams always reach on quarterbacks, trade up for quarterbacks. I think he could go in the first still. Jim, I, I won't be one, surprised. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if a team takes him. In the first I wouldn't be surprised either, Jim. Yeah. I got one question before we let you go. Get you out of here. Uh, Kayla here says Will Levis will be a steal if he falls out of the top twenty-five. He's Josh on two point Do you believe that Will Levis gets picked in the top ten? No. Does somebody trade up for him? We've seen crazier things. We've seen crazier things. But I'm not sure Will Levis is a top 10 draft He's pick. getting taken so in the top it, 10. Yeah, but then I'm going to have the same reaction that I did when the Giants took Daniel Jones in the top 10. And he doesn't perform in the first couple of years. 
is you should have traded back if you wanted him. Because the way Jones performed for the Giants, if he did that result and he was drafted later, no problem with it. But the fact that he was drafted in the top five, top ten, it's like, bro, you, you need to be better. And I knew he was not that good coming out of Duke. He's progressed. I will give him that. He's progressed. Giants, playoffs, he's looked really good. Let's see if he can do it again. He needs to do it again because of that contract now. And I think if they can get a wide receiver, they can stretch the field, rely on the passing game, the legs, everything, because the teams are going to know what's coming. It Was he in the same draft class as uh, Kyler Murray? I think so. I know uh, old boy from Ohio State was in that same draft class that passed away. Um, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins. I I think was Kyler in that draft class? Was he taking one? And then Danny Dimes. Kyler Murray was 2019. Yeah. Wasn't Jones in 18? Was Jones 18? I thought Jones was later, yeah. Daniel Jones was the best quarterback in the class. Right. Yeah, well, right now he is. 2019. 19 so, draft pick. So yeah, so he was, was Kyler Murray. Would you take Jones or Kyler Murray right now? In that if you're if you're obviously if you're redrafting that Arizona's probably taking Bosa. But right now yeah, yeah they're who probably you taking, taking both. Who are you taking right now? Is is Daniel Jones the best quarterback in that draft class? <sighs> probably. Oh that's He's got, he's got a playoff I mean, win. That's something I mean, Kyler doesn't have. I, look. It seems more mature than the, Kyler. The work, <laughs> work ethic is better. The maturity is better. What he said is better. Kyler's skills are way better than Daniel Jones's skills. But, like you said, he's got a playoff win. He's progressing. We could even say Kyler Murray's regressing. Yeah, agreed. It's yeah. After that one, uh, I mean, it, it, in a way, I guess you can say he's regressing. But isn't this the writing been on the wall about Kyler like this? It's, yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not, yeah. it's not no. This is not new. He's it's had this the same. Right? He it's had this at Texas A and M. He had this at Texas A and M. This whole this whole bravado about him because he was coming living living in Dallas Fort Worth. Out here, where he went to high school in North Dallas. I thought he went to Oklahoma. He went yeah. to first and transferred to Oklahoma. Okay, okay, okay. But he made his no... name at Oklahoma. Yeah, he yeah, went, yeah. yeah. But he was. I forgot he was at A&M first. He was at A and M first, and then transferred uh, when I guess when Kingsbury left A uh, and M to go to Tech. That's when he transferred uh, uh, to go to OU. But the the, the whole bravado of, of Kyle Murray <laughs> was this even at even at Allen High School here in Dallas. Was like you know yeah he was super talented, amazing athlete, but there was a lot of questions as far as what the work ethic was going to be. He was just better of an athlete than everybody in high school. That's why they won four straight t- state titles out here in Dallas. He was he was a hell of an athlete at Texas A and M, but he just never got the opportunity. That's why. And then like I said, when when Kingsbury left to go to Tech, he went to OU and he was just uber talented there. But the work ethic was always the maturity and the work ethic was the biggest issue. It's always been this. It was not, gonna, and it's not going to change until he decides to realize, oh, maybe my career has to be on the line at this point. The problem is, is the Cardinals already made the investment in him, so his career is not on the line anytime soon. So it's not going to change. 
I, I mean, look, with, with the Kyler thing, I think if all that stuff didn't come out about his contract and what the, the Cardinals were requiring to do, if they kind of kept that in-house, I don't think it would have been a blown up as much. I think I do agree that, though, those having those incentives in there and having that stuff in his contract about studying more and everything definitely needed to be in there because he, like Jonathan said, he had this bravado coming out of a and like he was the next Johnny Manziel and had this attitude like he's living in Manziel's shadow and being the next guy. And he needs to work on his game. And you can clearly see it because teams get to him now and, and they understand, you know, this running quarterback style and who he is. And, yeah, you can make a name your, make a name for yourself one year, but you need to adjust to what the defense is going to bring next year. You always are looking to improve. So if I was like like when um who was it? When Griffin came in, right? I'm like, "Oh yeah, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, he's MVP all this stuff." I was saying, he better be adjusting and watching the tape to what the the defense is going to bring his way because he's not going to be a secret anymore. Well, what didn't help too is uh, Kyler was a first-round pick in baseball by the Oakland A's as well. So yeah. They, yeah, it just, yeah. it just, it just, it just absolutely, you know, like he he is the the hell of an athlete, the best athlete, you know, the the whole, you know, the whole thing. Which again, I'll say this as well, and I, I just actually got done talking to one of my coaches on the baseball team out here in Alpha. Kyler should have been a first-round pick in baseball, but it was just the, the you know, it's the Oakland A's. They wanted, you know, that fanfare. We're going to draft Kyler Murray, but they, they weren't going to actually sign him. They, they, they knew he was going to go play in the NFL. But you you make him the first-round pick, you, and, and that is like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm the best athlete. I'm the first-round pick in MLB. I'm the first-round pick in, in, in the NFL. So, here's, here, here's the thing, too, and uh, is that everybody in the NFL is a great athlete. Like, that's the thing. It's like – you can be a great athlete, and that'll win you four state championships in Texas, like right? Or that could win you a Heisman at Oklahoma if you're a great athlete. But guess what? On the NFL, all of them are great. All of them are great athletes. So eventually, you got to beat them here because eventually they're going to be the same athletically. That's true there. Uh, by the way, the best quarterback in that 2019 class, Strapped in the sixth round, Garner Minshew, the mustache. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, move real quick here. Uh, Kale Carr, I only want to point out one thing. Name the last Ohio State pick that wasn't a total bust at QB. The I last got, one taken, Justin Fields. I'll say Fields, and I think I don't think Troy Smith was a total bust. No, he wasn't. I mean, I mean he's a serviceable. Who played in Ohio State at one point before Texas. You could consider him. So he was a Troy Smith was a serviceable quarterback, a backup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Play your yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? I mean, Justin Fields isn't a bust to me. I, I like Justin Fields a lot, really. I mean, I think you, it, you go down a list in the last 15, you mean 15 years. I mean, you had Troy Smith again, who was a backup, a career backup quarterback. Cardell Jones was a bust. Prior uh, turned right receiver. Receiver. JT Barrett was a backup for the rest of his career. Uh, um, Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller was yeah. uh, he was converted he, he turned wide receiver. receiver. It was a yeah. receiver. Yeah, I mean, there you don't have a good track history as far as Ohio State quarterbacks either. Oh, I didn't know that. Troy retired as a receiver as well. <laughs> So they all converted. Yeah, not not a good not not a good track record there. Not a good track record recently for USC guys either. Like yeah, all true. these like high powered like running gun offenses that you know don't play that pro style anymore. 
you know, they come in and it's like, oh boy, here we go. And they, they either are receivers or they go to a different position. Now let's see what these Alabama quarterbacks are doing. They got a nice track record right now. So not really. Jaylen, I mean, Jaylen, they don't have a great – I mean, they're not great. Like, they don't have great – like, uh, Mac is – you look at year two of Mac Jones, like, the Patriots are talking about moving off of him. Tua yeah, can't but that's stay, the system, too. The system is not designed for Mac Jones either. Tua can't stay healthy. And before those, I mean, Greg McElroy, where's he no, at? He, no, AJ he's, McCarron's he's, up here in St. Louis uh, playing for the XFL. Greg McElroy is one of the best ESPN college football analysts. Right <laughs> hey, AJ McCarron, AJ McCarron is the MVP of the XFL. Yeah. He set a record. He set a record. We still didn't make the playoffs. The Battlehawks didn't. All right, guys. We're going to let Jim go. Jim Beringer, everybody. Go follow him on Twitter, at Jim Beringer. Check it out. I'm sure you're going to have some kind of draft content now that you know it's a couple of days away. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll have some draft content. I know I'm, I'm going to try to jump on with the draft show on Thursday. Uh, it might be tough because the Devils play that night. Um, <laughs> but uh, the playoffs are crazy. I remember, I remember earlier I said that Seattle scored the goals in the first three games make it four. The um, Kraken have scored the opening goal in all four games of that series. So it's crazy to think that that's what's going on there. Uh, we're in overtime, Tampa and Toronto. I can't wait, man. Go check it out. Uh, but, guys, thanks for having me on. As always, Jonathan, always a pleasure to talk with you guys. And uh, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. See you, Jim. Appreciate yeah, see you. Yep. See you next week, buddy. Yep. Jim Behringer, everybody. So. Jonathan, I got to ask you, uh, as we move to baseball, who in the hell would have thought that after three weeks that the Pittsburgh fucking Pirates are the best team in the National League? What is going on? Up is down. Down is up. And the Pirates are in first place. Uh, you know. And, I, I uh, is it sustainable? Maybe. Maybe we talked, we talked again. We never predicted that the Pittsburgh Pirates were going to be a good team like this, but we did say they had some exciting young talent. You know, we said that, you know, Brian Hayes was a good ball player. I know they lost O'Neill Cruz for the season. You have Brian Reynolds, who's you know proven to be an all-star you know, outfielder right now. And one of the better outfielders in baseball. I mean, they have some good pieces. It was just a matter of could it be something that could be competitive and could it can it sustain? That's the next question, as you just asked. Is it sustainable? I, at the moment, I don't see why it couldn't. I mean, they're, they're an exciting team. They're exciting. And right now, the division, as you said, the, you know, the division's kind of backwards right now. St. Louis has not been looking good still. And they're in the bottom. They're only better than the Cincinnati Reds by only a couple of games. So I, maybe this might be the year of the Pirates. Who would have thought? Not me, but I mean, I'm. I'm hey, kind of and what was the, what do you think? I haven't looked on Vegas, Tanner. What, what were the odds? I mean, I think when we were going through the divisions, it was like, oh, it's still plus, plus fifteen thousand, plus a thousand yeah. something, plus fifteen thousand is the current odds for uh, Pittsburgh to win the championship. So, what's this to win the division? I, I would like to know that. I'm gonna put a hundred bucks on Pirates right now just huh. to win the division. Let me look. I'll, I'll look it up while you guys keep going here. I mean, they, they have been. I mean, they're, they're what? There's they got 17 wins. They, they. I mean, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, like, they're pitching. Like, I don't even know who the hell they have. But that are they the new Tampa Bay Rays? Maybe I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far with it. I think this has just become an exciting group. They've, they're, you know, the young prospects that they've invested in. Cabrian Hayes being one. They put. A, they made a big investment on uh, last year. You know, paying off. You and you. 
maybe this is the way that you, you, you win a little bit. Maybe this is finally your way to uh, to keep Brian Reynolds instead of you know trading. Maybe they, they, maybe they're geniuses. They didn't trade Brian Reynolds this offseason to Atlanta. You know, maybe they, you know, they say, hey, we're you know, convincing them, hey, we're not going to be a bad team this year. Maybe, they, maybe they're geniuses right now. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, ex- I'm, I like it because we, you know, we want Major League Baseball is a league of parity. You know, we see different teams get that opportunity. We see Tampa Bay, one of the lowest payrolls every year, can be competitive. You know, so I mean, we have Baltimore out of nowhere last year be competitive. Seattle kind of making themselves a, a run. We see Arizona right now being competitive. You know, so it's a it, MLB is always a, a league of, of parity where you have teams that kind of sneak out of nowhere. This might so, be the year we see Pittsburgh be that team this year. So, <laughs> hold on, real quick here. Scott said plus nine hundred sure, for yeah, the Pirates. I will. I laugh at the pain. I'm sorry, man. This is cracks me up. So, all right. So it opened as division winner at plus fifteen thousand. The best odds right now are now sixteen hundred. Uh, 900 on BetMGM is where Scott saw it. Uh, to make the playoffs, plus 500. Currently, it opened at plus 15 or 1500 on that one. And now the World Series winner is plus 25,000. Is the best odds opened at uh, 12,500. So I'd still uh, go put I'd go put 100 bucks on division winner. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm like I wouldn't mind it at all right now because you can get uh, looking here. You can get plus thirteen hundred on DraftKings, uh, plus eleven hundred on FanDuel. You're plus twelve or sixteen. Oh, it's those are off, off world. So your uh, Caesars is plus twelve as well. So really, your best bets are going to be plus twelve hundred, which is still not a bad one to take. Not bad at all. The way they're looking right now, for sure. And like I said, in the division, the division still not. I mean, is not all that good. As you're competing right now with the Brewers, I know the Cubs are kind of, you know, up and down. We did pretty good until this weekend. We placed the Dodgers. We were, you know, Cody Bellinger looks like a MVP. Patrick Wisdom's up there in the top five uh, in the league in home runs, and Nico Horner's leading the league in hits. We got like three MVPs, baby. They're the April Rays, <laughs> football talk, Bo out there. So, I mean, um, so yeah, the I mean, the division is it's up for grabs. I know it's still early; it's still it's April. Insane. But I mean, again, because we all said the Cardinals were going to be the team that just runs away with this. It was easy. I don't, I, I don't really. I'm losing faith more and more in the Cardinals right now that we could be a three-team race, and it could be the Brewers, Cubs, and Pirates. Because the Brewers just came off of a uh, ten. I need it. I need the I, I, Cubs. I need you, baby. Yeah, I need yeah, you. the Cubs. The Cubs. Yeah, just gotta continue right. winning. The Brewers are now struggling back at home now after a ten-game West Coast trip, where they won two out of the three series, which was huge to come away that way with, especially the injuries they had. Nick, you needed some good news anyway after the day, right? Exactly. That's what I said. I need the Cubs. <laughs> I, need you. Now I, hey, I need you, baby. I need you. I need a good <laughs> summer. I need a good summer. Oh, but the car, but the Cardinals, you got you can't count the Cardinals out. I mean, me and Jonathan, can't, Parker, no. you, you can't count them out until the last game of the year. They could be six back going into September, and they somehow win win the damn division. It, it, this is where I'm kind of arguing against that now. Uh-oh. I I don't trust Ali Marmol. I don't trust his job, the, the, his ability to do the job. Like we've seen in the past of managers of the Cardinals, the history that we had, I, I don't trust him to actually get the guys going in the right direction right now. Uh, 
I think the Cardinals are going to probably this again. I might be just flip flopping at the moment. I could flip flop again by the by the halfway point. They look like a five hundred team. They look like a team that's going to finish just right at five hundred. I don't trust Marmel to do the job. I think that I think every and as we said, I told you guys, I've done I've, with a show with Allen and, and Scott and and, and Carubia, uh, Carubia. It's a matter of when, not if Marmel's fired. It's a matter. I think they are they're almost to the point where they're just tuning him out. You haven't flipped the, the the switch yet with again with the MVPs that you have and Arenado and Goldschmidt with the pitching you have with that team and you still can't make a little bit of a run or at least kind of close the gap and, and remind all the teams that we're still the St. Louis Cardinals. This division still belongs to us and it's everybody else. I, I don't know. I, I agree that they are the Cardinals. It's the history that they are. I just don't trust Ali Marmol to be the one to do the job to get it flipped around and, and get it figured out. I want to see where they're at come All-Star break. That's all I want to see. Come All-Star break, how far back are they? And then I'll I'll make another judgment in the play. Uh, that's but fair. I, that's all I want to see. It's come All-Star break. Well, I'm going to make another judgment then cuz that's usually when they pick up anyways. So, let's see let's see where where the gaps are. And I think that'd be our next big judge of the uh, Cardinals this year. Jonathan, what do you put the percentage chance that Sheho Otani finishes this year as a uh, Angel? I don't see him getting traded this year. I think I know a lot of talk right now is the potential to be traded. You know, I'd say 85% as the low point right now that he stays in, in Anaheim. Uh, I, I, I don't see them pissing off the fan base to that level to trade Shohei Otani. Because uh, he's still in the contract until next year, too, I believe, right? No, I, I think he's a free agent. No, he's a free agent after this year. This after this year. The only way I they, you know, they'll be competitive. They'll be competitive this year. Like, I, well, again, how far? How how much? How far are the competitive? Are they going to be in the division race? Or are they going to be in the uh, in the wild card race? I think they'll be in the wild card race and be competitive. And that's going to say if we trade if we trade Otani while we're in a wild card race. The fan base is going to riot. I just don't see them being able to make that move if they're in there. Now, if there are 10 to 15 games out of the wild card race, then I think they're going to have no choice. They'll have just the same. At that point, time he's over. probably gone, right? Oh, at he's that point, he is gone. So you have like, and they, in the, in the, the, the reports are about that. If, if you're not, if you're not winning, he's, he's out. So you have to get something for him again. What's the, what's the haul do you get for Shohei Otani? That's the bigger question. And as a team, and if I'm a team, if even if you're the Dodgers or the Cubs, like you know, you're the, uh, not Cubs, uh, Mariners or Mets or Yankees, Red Sox, you know he's going to be a free agent. Why trade? You know, why give up prospects for somebody that you know you can still make a bid for? I guess you have the control to do it, but do you want to give up the the amount of money and prospects it's going to take to get him in, in the trade deadline? That's where I kind of question because again, it's unprecedented what he is as a ball player. So yeah, what, what do you, is the, what do you the, make? A, what do you, what kind of package do you do? Because we know what a package for like an ace would be, right? Or like a Juan Soto type, you know. Like, but what the what kind of package is? What what I do you do? Hey, here's my here's my fifteen best prospects and take them. That's, that's my point. Is where where is the start point of the negotiations? I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody was really going to have an idea what the start point is. 
you know, you're going to have to obviously look at, say, one through five of your top prospects. I, and I, what team is going to want to do that? I, I don't see it. I, I don't see a team making a decision to say, look, we'll, especially if you're a team that's already competitive and you know you don't have to face Shohei at the deadline or face him in the postseason anyway because none of those teams are going to really make that trade. Why do I want to trade my prospects when he's going to be on the open market? I already have the money to say I'll offer $400 million. You know, it's just a, it's just making sure that we have the selling point for him to come in and come to, which he wants to win. So that, that leaves you with the teams of Mets, Yankees, Dodgers. And if the Mariners are the team that we say that they are, they're going to compete with the Astros in the West, and they, they challenge the Astros. Let's just, let's just say devil's advocate here. Mariners win the AL West. With the history of Ichiro being as a Mariner Hall of Famer, you know, the legend in Seattle, don't you feel good about potentially making a, a play at Shohei Otani because of Ichiro? I don't because they're not going to pay him. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, too. They've never been yeah, that team that's, that, that oh, pays that kind of money. Like, what big free agent have they ever signed like that? Not necessarily a free agent, but they did make the move to get Luis Castillo, and then they paid him. Yeah, but they but won't pay Otani four hundred million. You're talking about a team that once had King Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, and all them, and they never paid any of those guys. Different era. I mean, I agree with you on that. I agree. Let me just say, I agree. And you had the best player at, at the time of King Griffey Jr. I agree with you to that point, but I think this is a different era and a player that is just astronomical in today's game. That you that to to really to really energize your fan base and make you to, to where you can possibly pass the Astros even more. I think you make the play. I think you make the play. Maybe just make a competitive offer. It doesn't have to be the best offer. Make a competitive offer because we we've seen Shohei absolutely respects Ichiro. We you know he you know is you know loves Ichiro in the 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 respect he has in Japanese culture and baseball. Ichiro is the guy to Shohei Otani. You don't think Ichiro can make a play to Otani saying, hey, Seattle is where you want to go because of how they treated me and how they're going to treat you? It, it, it's enticing. Is it the best offer? Probably not. But it's enticing to think about because of the history that he has with Ichiro. Here's a good one, Jonathan. <laughs> it's been reported, Scott. Every, I've read that the Cubs could uh, – it's possible with the Cubs. Uh, <clears throat> we're a big market. We have uh, Seiya Suzuki already. The Cubs have spent money in the past on players, and we're kind of in a midst of a rebuild. Plus, we can win now, possibly. So, what would that do? And you know, if we it, we I've been told, and I've read if I've read several articles that were a dark horse for for uh, Shohei. That that would be intriguing. That would be intriguing, and I, I, you know, it's a it would be the same conversation you can have against the Mariners, you know, saying that they haven't had the history of winning that much. They were competitive last year. They're competitive this year. Cubs haven't won recently. They're trying to be competitive right now in the middle of a quote unquote rebuild. You know, so does, does, does that entice Otani to say, okay, if I'm the, I'm the final piece for these two teams, let's say Mariners and Cubs who are very similar right now, if I'm the final piece, does that make us contenders too for a world series or do I go and play for the Mets or the Yankees or the uh, Dodgers who have been there right now, who have been in the playoffs, who have been able to compete for a World Series? That's where the conversation is going to be lying the most. Is where does he? What does he? 
what does he value? Winning culture over the last few years or a team that he's the final piece to make them the winning piece of, the, of their culture to move forward? You know, so the Cubs fit in that conversation with the Mariners, I believe, that, and that could be an enticing opportunity because you said there's been there's been some Japanese players that played in Chicago to, uh, last on the north side of the last couple uh, few years. So then you have one in, in Suzuki right now, so it, it is an enticing opportunity that you can you can lay out for him. Uh, but it's just a matter of winning now and being part of a winning culture that's been there for years, or a team that you're going to be the final piece. Because that's been this conversation. He's the final piece of you know he he's he should be the final piece in Anaheim right now with the LA Angels, and they haven't been able to do it. Does he want to just say I'm going to go be a final piece again for another team, or do I want to be part? Of, do I just want to be a piece of a winning team that's already been doing it? Yeah, that's kind of a fair point there. True that. I hate that we're not talking about my Royals making a move, but yeah. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> hey. Uh, before we get out of here, last question. Oakland looks to be uh, moving to Vegas. They bought the land. That's a, What's your thoughts there? It was expected. I mean, we've, we've been saying that for a right. while. That it was just a matter, again, talking about when, not if. And I feel like the, the, this is another reason why I hate Rob Manfred, where he has been a big supporter of moving Oakland to L, uh, to Vegas. We, we he's, he's advocated for it. He signed off on Oakland being able to pursue the opportunity to go to Vegas and then turns around and makes a statement and says, it's disappointing. We didn't get it figured out to stay in Oakland. Yeah. Today. Yeah. What? Yeah. You have been pushing them to leave Oakland. You have been pushing them. If you were wanting them to go sit, other commissioners have sat down with the team and the city and help broker deals to make sure that they can stay in the city that they want. Why haven't you done that? If you were really wanting Oakland to be part of Major League Baseball, why didn't you do that? No, you it's wanted them to. You wanted to go to Vegas. It's more money in Vegas, baby. Absolutely, it's more money. Yeah. But instead of the, instead of the history that you had in Oakland for the, uh, for the 30, 40 plus 50 years with the A's being there, and probably longer than that, I probably shortchanged it. The history that you've had with the Oakland A's there, it means absolutely nothing to Rob Manfred. History means nothing. Money means everything. And that's a that's, true. That's a that's, true lawyer, which yeah. he is a lawyer, you know. So, and he made the he made a lawyer statement when after advocating for a couple of weeks ago, saying, "Hey, I'm on board for this. I'm on board for Oakland to go to uh, to Vegas." You can't be on both sides of the aisle. I'm sorry. That's just that you know that's attorney talk, and that's what he is. And it's really crappy that he made that statement today, saying, "Oh, I'm I'm disappointed we didn't make it work in Oakland." We wanted this to happen. We wanted them to be, you know, to be a mainstay. And we wanted Oakland to be a mainstay in Major League Baseball. False. No, you didn't. You didn't. You pushed them out the door with the owner of the A's because it, it, how many years have we seen 5,000 fans, 4,000 fans, 6,000 fans show up to games in Oakland? And you're not sitting here having a meeting with them saying, why are you doing this? Let's fix this. Right. Why are you bottom payroll every year? You have you have more fans show up to LSU baseball games on the weekend on, on Friday and Saturday nights than what Oakland has showing up to their games. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. And he did not step up to sit down with the Oakland's uh, Oakland A's uh, owner and say, "Fix this problem because this is not right." What you're doing to this fan base? Didn't Goodell, Goodell, and like other NFL officials, they actually tried to keep the Raiders in Oakland, right? 
like I, if I remember right, they were they had meetings. There was meetings at either which, Oakland or L.A. Which Mark yeah, Davis, Mark Davis made a statement after the after the the purchase of the land. Mark Davis was absolutely f- furious mm-hmm. that the A's did that because the A's never wanted Oakland, like the Raiders, to be in the same building. They never, and they, and even more so, they didn't allow the A, the Raiders to even pursue opportunities to go elsewhere. They tied them into their con into the lease. With, for the for the thirty years is what they tied them into the lease, so they couldn't go build a new stadium in Oakland. So they they screwed the Raiders out of Oakland. The A's did to where they just said we can't stay in this stadium. We don't want to stay in the stadium. We want to build a new stadium, but you're not letting us do that. The only way we're going to be able to out of our lease is if we move cities. That was the only way they were able to do it. And Mark Davis, because he knew that. He said his legacy, his legacy was his father's legacy in California, in Oakland, you know, in, in, in being able to do what he could do in, in that city. That's his father's legacy. And he couldn't be able to do that because the A's owner didn't let them get out of their lease to build a new stadium, you know, in, in the area, in the Bay Area. And so they, they, the only way out of their lease was if they moved out of the base, out of the state. To move to basically go to Vegas, so they 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 forced the A's owner forced the Raiders' hand, forced Davis's hand to move to Vegas. Had no choice. Wasn't also in the statement from Manfred. It's like something about the the A's owner is you know ready to win, ready to get championship squad. I'm like, what's stopping you now? You've had bottom yeah. payroll for the last what ten years now. It seems like. Yeah. Since, okay. since 15, 14? It's all attorney range? talk. It's all attorney. That's how it well, is. It's all attorney talk. Oh, you know, we're, he wants to build a championship team. Since when? Well, they're trying to put it on the fans and, and things like that. But, I mean, if I'm an A's fan, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not showing up to the ballpark. And, and, A, the stadium's a dump. Second, yeah, possums like, running everywhere. Like, yeah, the secondly is like the, you know, the product on the field's not very good. No. That's like World you know, Stadium right now, too. You know, you go. You cannot. You cannot support what has been out there. You want to support the players. I, I. The fan base feels bad for the players. They do. It's not the players' fault. They. They were dealt a hand that they were not going to be successful on. It was absolutely. You know. I, was like, the biggest comparison I made was. You know. And I may have said this to you guys or the other show. We all seen the movie Major League, and the 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 owner the the woman goes, "I'm going to build a team to help us move to Miami." Mm-hmm. He built Oakland. They built a team to move to Vegas. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be terrible. We're gonna have five thousand people show up, and we have no choice but to leave Vegas because the fan base doesn't support us. But no fan base is gonna show up to watch this team get outscored uh, in their first what? Where we're at now? Twenty games. They outscored outscored a hundred runs, a hundred a negative hundred run differential. The worst in history of baseball, I think. Please tell me where a fan, any fan, is going to show up and be like, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to support this team. <coughs> yeah, this is a winning team. I'm going to show up to support them." No, they're showing up because they want to. They want to be there for the t- the players because it's not the players' fault. But at the same time, you can only you can only watch bad baseball for so long. I think we're seeing this too. We're seeing it in Detroit. They had record low attendance, like we saw Cincinnati doing a similar deal. The Royals are doing a similar deal because they want that downtown stadium. There's, I mean, they haven't put wind product on the field since 15. So, and, and then you have Major League Baseball complaining, you know, sitting there saying, "Well, we need a salary cap, and we want to limit, you know, we want to limit these big contracts." Mm-hmm. Players don't want to do that. No. As bad as Tony Clark and the and has been for the uh, players' union, 
And he came out immediately and said, not happening, not happening at all. Uh, you know, he's not been the best player director uh, for the union, but my goodness, that better have been the, that, that should have been the fastest no by any union director in major league baseball history. And he, it, thankfully he did say no, but because you know, they're trying to sit there and say, well, we're going to cut, we're going to try to, we want to cut back on our money to spend and still make money because that's what we, you know, that's, you know, that's what our TV contracts are. They, again, they don't care about the fans in the stadium anymore. That's what all these rules were about. And I said this to you guys, that all the new rules were for the TV viewers. Yes. They don't care if fans show up or not because they're making billions of dollars on the TV contracts. The stadium revenue is just extra money in their pockets. It is. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott says, Jonathan, do you think there'll be an expansion team in Oakland at all? I don't um, think so. I think no, once it's gone, so. it's, it's gone for a while. In yeah. this case, you have you have cities that actually that that have a better opportunity to to get a team. You have and and there's one city that Major League Baseball. I I, I really think that I hope they have the opportunity to put a team back in Montreal. Mm-hmm. That's an opportunity because yes. you know for that. But you have Nashville. That's uh opportunity. That's you know been advocating and pushing to have a team. Uh, you know, and they're they're still fighting to get a team. Uh, you know, for MLB. Salt Lake City is an opportunity. I was say, Utah's been in the news for yeah. a lot of different sports too, uh, which is an opportunity. I think uh, you could have a, you know, my goodness, a, a potential rivalry of Salt Lake City, you know, team versus Colorado. That would be a nice, that'd be a fun little rivalry to establish. Yeah. Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, has been in conversations to have a team at some point. I don't think they're going to do if they're going to put a team in Nashville. I don't think Charlotte's going to be the next team too close in proximity. Plus, plus you have the uh, Braves already around the area too. So I think that the proximity is just too too narrow to for the fan bases to really kind of be able to expand out. So they'll have either one if they do expansion, Nashville or Charlotte. More likely it'll be Nashville is the opportunity. Salt Lake City would be the next one. And I think that there the conversation I think is still Montreal should should have a team. If they put two teams out east, Salt Lake City, I, I hope Portland is not part of the conversation. I don't, I don't think Portland's big enough. Um, I, I, so I don't see – that's why I think you're only going to have one team on the east and one on the uh, west, and that right now is going to be Nashville and Salt Lake City. The Rays could be moving. I mean, they could go to – I mean, there was a, a report was a couple years ago they were going to split some games in Montreal, split some games in Tampa Bay, I think. That was like 2019 or even – The only reason The only reason that didn't happen is because of COVID. Yeah, that was the only reason that they ended up not doing that is because of COVID and the the restrictions that Canada had, where even the you know like I said the Blue Jays the Blue Jays had to play in Buffalo, uh, for the that season. So that was the only reason why it never occurred. I don't I don't think that's going to happen now. I you know I, I think if there if there if there's a a move, I don't think they'll do fifty fifty. I think they're going to be fully fully move the Rays. That was a conversation on Montreal. Maybe, maybe that is where the team that goes uh, goes to Montreal would be. That they have to get a new stadium, though. The city of the city has to get you know Olympic Stadium is what they used with the Expos back in the day. Obviously, it's, a, it's an old stadium, but the, the from the last I've heard, when Montreal was talked about, is they're investing into a stadium. They want a they're, they're investing into a brand new stadium in the city. So there's a potential if they have that stadium before Tampa figures out what they're going to do or Saint Petersburg figures out what they're going to do. You could see the same, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays move uh, to Montreal. I agree. All right, what you got coming up this weekend, Jonathan? Oh, uh, we got more, more, 
or games <laughs> or tournament. Well, hopefully we've we've been dealing some bad weather. It's raining right now. Uh, as I'm sitting in my truck, we had you know we had to move practices indoors for the girls. The boys got to be out, uh, outdoors for a little bit until the rain came. Uh, we have some bad weather. Hopefully, it holds up for us this weekend. But we have uh, only one team in action this weekend, so a little bit slower weekend for oh, me. Okay. I, I, my goodness, I've been driving. Man. I've been all over the place from down south in DFW to up north in DFW to, to everything. My, like I said, my, you know, I've been putting a lot of miles on my truck, and it's getting mad at me as I go. But it's time uh, to get a Prius or something. Oh, <laughs> I can't do that. Can't, you can't put all, you can't put all the all baseball and softball stuff in a Prius. I was going to say, can you little, see, imagine Jonathan rolling up in a Prius, Alpha Performance. I've, I've got a wagon. I've got a wagon in the back of my truck that's bigger than a Prius. I'm going to have to hit, say, to yeah, a hit on that thing. Get you your little Prius, wrap it in the Alpha Academy, uh, you know, <laughs> logos and things like that. You know what I mean? On it. Oh my goodness, I couldn't do that. No. <laughs> No, but it's it's been good though. Uh, we've we've had some. We had a little bit up and down this week, this past weekend with our teams. Uh, we competed very well, but you know we didn't get the finishes that we needed. Uh, but you know we're going to slow down a little bit. We have one team in action this weekend. Uh, my younger 14U team with a couple of girls that are helping out. Uh, we're going to bring some of our 12U girls actually to help out and you know let me evaluate what they look like uh, for 14U to see their awesome. future. Uh, that's part of it again is, is, is being able to evaluate and see how what their timeline up to moving up in age that's what I want I want that's I want right. these girls to progress the boys at the same time on the baseball side to progress interesting actually I'm gonna put this out there as well because I think and I'll, I'll share this with the boys here we may have a little competition between some of my girls and my boys one of the, my one of my baseball players says he can actually hit bat against one of a couple of my high school my, a couple of my 14u and and 16u pitchers so yeah, I've I, I, I looked at him. I go, no chance. So That's we may true. we we may film a competition this week, a little batting pitching competition with a couple of those girls. Which, I, if that's the case, I'll be more than happy to put that on on Facebook. Oh, and oh yeah, let Please me know. I, I will share that because I like uh, I think I've told you this before. I had to do it. We were in a men's softball tournament right after I graduated high school, and you know we had a softball player show up, and yeah, she was she was like, yeah, I'll pitch you guys in between games. So I went to the soccer nets. And I saw one ball. I put the bat down. And I walked away because I was like, I'm not even t- trying to touch this right now. Because it was like some she threw a slider on me somehow, yep. and I was like, What? No, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> it's different. It's, it's different. It I did. Uh, uh, my my girl who coaches with me. Uh, she uh, she pitched in high school, and we had a uh, we we did that one before one practice where she pitched to me. I got the bat and. Uh, there was a little bit of a little bit of running, a little bit of running the mouth a little bit, and uh, and I was like, yeah, you're not beating me. And she, I kind of, I purposely didn't. She was in no danger, mm-hmm. but I purposely hit a ball that was going to go up the middle that went around, that literally went around her uh, her body. You know, mm-hmm. it, it went, it started at the, at the right of her arm, and it curved her into right center. I did that on purpose just to move it, just to see what she does. And my goodness, I've never seen anybody drop scared, you know, as as fast as she did, but. Um, that was the only time she's ever pitched to me. None of the girls, uh, none of the older girls have ever asked to pitch to me. Uh, I, I don't know if they want to do that or whatnot. I, I, I'll be more than happy to take a bat and see if I can hit them. There's a couple of girls who've got, I mean, I got a girl, my 18, you, my senior, she throws 63 miles an hour from, you know, uh, velocity wise, which that's some, that's some movement. That's some that's movement. Some on movement. Uh, and I got a couple of girls who are, are upper or mid to upper fifties with movement as well. So, we got we got some good arms. I, I looked at I looked at the kid today, and I just said, "You're no, you're not. <laughs> you're, out, you're, you're not. 
it was actually I, I sent the text to to the girls uh, to a couple of the girls and said, hey, yeah, y'all y'all might get up to face one of these boys and and put him in uh, put him in his place a little bit. And um, I want to see if the ball rises. Does our ball rise? There's a couple. So there's a couple of girls have a, a a rise ball. A couple of them do have a rise ball. It's, it's basically their fastball that just moves upwards and it just goes up. And I mean that. What well, my senior, uh, she throws. She no, my 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 sophomore who plays on my 18U team. She's 15, plays 18U, and she has a rise ball that actually. That I mean, it it's <laughs> it's, just, it's disgusting the movement that is on there and everything that that goes with it. But yeah, so there's a lot of lot of different things that you have to watch, especially someone in baseball, which I don't think he really realizes just how different seeing a ball from down low to overhead, how different that movement is. You know, and, and how quickly, because again, they're pitching from 43 feet, yeah. throwing 50, you know, 57 to 60 miles an hour. That's, that's, you know, upper 80s, if, if you want to be equivalent to what baseball sees is upper 80s to almost low 90s. Uh, so at he's 14, not seeing, he's seeing probably 70 miles an hour right now. Talking about about a 12 to, you know, 12 miles an hour difference on what he sees to, to what he will see with her p- pitching. He might be biting off a little bit more than he can chew on that one. Oh, I'll be uh, looking at. <laughs> hopefully, we get that video because, like I said, I, it's I know the experience, and I'd just be curious to see how many goes he gives. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm put your money on the girl. Put your money on the girl. <laughs> I think got it too. <laughs> exactly for sure. All right, Jonathan, we'll let you go. Appreciate you again hopping on here and talking football and baseball with us. So, always, guys, always enjoy it. All right, man. We'll talk to you next Monday. Sounds good. Have a good one, fellas. You too, man. Thank you. Jonathan Grishman, everybody. Oh, it's great. Nick, you know, I mean, you and I, we got the draft coming up. We're going to be out there Thursday. We're going to be recording some stuff. We'll have a show Friday morning, uh, giving you guys a recap of the Thursday experience, Thursday results of the draft. Um, I mean, you got anything else popping out this weekend? Uh, Wednesday, we'll do a show, uh, for a head out me and Johnny to do the Abodkin show on Wednesday, uh, since Thursday we'll be, uh, at the draft. Uh, so I wanted to still put out a show. Um, and then we'll have some guests on Sunday. I got to reach out to Dan Harris and figure out what's going on there. So, um, we'll have a guest on Sunday. That's it. Uh, hopefully everybody got to check out the, um, the uh, big uh, donation we did yesterday. Um, so uh, Sunday uh, <laughs> night one of the draft. Yeah. I can hold down to one night of draft because you guys are going out and partying per Scott. Yeah. That is correct, Scott. You and Johnny got to do the majority of the work again. So sorry. You guys should have came. You guys should have came, Scott. I don't know if you, if you guys a weekend pass there at the nursing home or not, but uh, you know, <laughs> Hopefully everybody checked out the uh, donation show we did last uh, yesterday right here on the LTS network and donated. Awesome. Um, Dan real worked really hard. I know we had some people cancel at the last minute or didn't show, but uh, I mean, you got to talk to Jason Dunn. Uh, hey, Lonnie Martz on the, yeah. with uh, Mike here. We were talking at the three o'clock central hour uh, or two o'clock central hour. And then, yeah, Jason Dunn popped in on, on our collab show. Uh, and I thought he canceled on us. And when he hopped on, like you saw my reaction, I looked up, I go, Jason, Jason's on. <laughs> I've been excited for Jason Dunn. I, I've, uh, I was a fan of his uh, growing up. Like I've always had him on my Madden stuff. Uh, he's been one of my favorite players to ever watch 
of Jason Dunn. So the fact that he was even on for that little bit, be able to ask him a couple questions and just listen to him was phenomenal for me. Yeah, he had a lot of great uh, talked about uh, some of the great players that he played with. We asked him a lot about what he experienced draft questions. It was good. Uh, so there's a lot of great pros that came on yesterday. Uh, so Dan did a hell of a job putting that together. So if you yes, missed you any of that, it was like a nine hour show. You can uh, check that out still uh, on the network. So agreed. And then guys, tomorrow sports buffoons are going to be live at Limitless Brewery here in Kansas city area. Uh, we're going to be also live right here on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook. So tune in, get your chance to win some prizes. We're going to be going over a big Kansas city draft preview, uh, talking probably about some buzz. We'll have some trivia. We'll have some games going on. We'll have a raffle for the Jersey. Uh, if you put a comment in your name gets entered in for the raffle online here and also in person. So it's, uh, it's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll probably go live about seven 30, uh, tomorrow night, central time, eight 30 Eastern. So tune in, keep a reminder on, I'll get that invite put up there. So you can put that, hit that bell to remind you that's probably our biggest show. Honestly, will be all about Kansas city cheese because we hadn't done one yet, uh, since, since we started in March. So we, we gotta, we're going to go all out here with the chiefs here tomorrow. Uh, and then, uh, you'll, I'll drop Wednesday, uh, whether I get edited or not, I'll be dropping my final mock draft here. It'll be bills with uh, Matt Larison. I'll be dropping that uh, on the Whiskey Sports Podcast Wednesday morning, so keep an eye out there. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll be doing draft content. We'll be editing some stuff up. We'll have a show Friday uh, morning uh, with Bakken's before he jets out and before we go back to the draft area. And, yeah, I think uh, – oh, I don't know. Man, Scott. I mean, Scott might be rolling, uh, might need some help here for in the hoop on Saturday because we'll be at the draft as they start at 11 on Saturday. So we'll have to plan that one out, but keep, we'll, we'll have an in the hoop show because NBA playoffs are going on either way. So just keep an eye out, guys. Hit the bell, subscribe, like, go to the Bakken show, go to the Whiskey Sports Podcast, go to the Buffoons channel, and go to Let's Talk Sports. You're going to see tons of great content out there. So it's going to be awesome. And then Scott says, please don't play the music. I don't know what music you're talking about, Scott. I won't play it right now. I won't play it right now. So everybody have a fabulous draft week. Let us know in the comments. Uh, we can do in the hoop Sunday. That's true. I guess we got that option. So uh, everybody have a fabulous draft draft weekend coming up here. Leave in the comments who you think your team's going to pick. Be interested to see that. We'll catch you guys next Monday. See you guys.